ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sober Grinds podcast. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the most intriguing guests and polarizing discussions about addiction recovery and the sober grind. My name is Austin, and I am joined by my awesome co-host, Pej. Pej, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, hey, everybody. How's everyone doing today? My name is Pej. Uh, Tell you a little bit about myself. Well, let's see here. I'm about 10 and a half years sober from all mind-altering substances. That would be everything under the sun. I was kind of like a human trash can. Meth was my uh, the, my final demise, but I was experimenting with everything from alcohol to heroin to marijuana to ecstasy to everything. So um, it was just a long laundry list of of uh, things that I was putting into my body because I was never uh, comfortable in my own skin. Um, I have been working in and out of treatment for many, many years. Um, I've held a lot of positions. I've worn a lot of hats. I've been a case manager. I've been a program director, program manager, and I have... Uh, Worked on the front lines for a long time. Um, lately, I'm working, I'm doing business development at uh, Beginnings Treatment Center in uh, Santa Ana and Costa Mesa in Huntington Beach. And I also uh, work alongside Earl Hightower at Hightower Associates. I do some marketing for him and um, his recovery companion service as well as um, interventions. I do interventions. Earl does interventions. Earl is my mentor. Um, so and also life coaching. I've done some life coaching and I still am doing them, doing some life coaching currently, mostly with sober people, um, people that have been sober, sober for a little while. Some of them are new to sobriety. Some of them have no life skills. So I'm everything from a life coach to a sober coach, just trying to help people find their way. You know, guys that are usually in their early twenties. So um, that is what I do. That's awesome. You've you. seen it all. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, I'm so happy uh, you're doing this with me. This is going to be a huge benefit for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right in. Okay. Uh, today, we're talking about staying sober over the holiday seasons. The holiday seasons are supposed to be a joyous occasion, bringing together family and friends, but it can often lead to a lot of stress. In your opinion, why do you think the holidays can lead to so much stress? And how does that uh, correlate with relapsing and substance abuse? Well, holiday stressors are definitely, um, you know, they're, they're there, they're evident. It, it happens with a lot of different family members. That, uh, obviously, a lot of people that are um, in recovery, um, one of their biggest triggers are family and family members and, and uh, history with family, things that may have happened, um, problems and problematic um uh, occurrences that have have consumed the addict alcoholic and now they're trying to get sober and they find themselves back around the family member all over again or family members and so the the holiday stressors arise and that could happen um, in many different ways they they may uh, go back home to the for the holidays and see their family members and, and be right back in the lion's den basically right back around everything all the reminders are there all the, the places in the house perhaps are there where they used to get high. Um, the certain particular family members that um, they never really cared for or that were, uh, you know, that they, they experienced, had really um, detrimental experiences with, sometimes traumatic, sometimes um, annoyances, sometimes they're just people that they just don't like, you know, or or they their upbringing was a certain way and those people were um, definitely... Uh, a factor for them in their lives and how they they tried to live their lives. They were judged or they felt like uh, 
they were never enough or um, they always had to live up to people's expectations. So being back around them, all of that stuff resurfaces and they have to feel it all over again. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, during the holidays, it's it's really hard for people to, to um, want to stay sober because they remember what they used to numb out with and it, and it usually is standing right there in their face in the form of another human being. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially friends too. What What's your opinion on going back home, traveling for the holidays and then reconnecting with friends that you used to use with and party with? Mm. That's a really good question. I personally, here's from my own personal experience, what ended up happening was that um, Early on in recovery, I mean, it didn't happen right away. Rome wasn't built in a day. It needed mm -hmm. to, there was certain barriers that I had to work through that um, that were preventing me from really embracing my sobriety. So when mm -hmm. I really, really started to um, love being sober and it was, uh, it was to the point where I, I knew this was the only way that I wanted to live, um, when I would go back around people that were old friends, some of them using buddies or just people that, you know, I may have um, interacted with in the past and we may have used casually or we may have actually, like, done some hard partying with, um, I made it very clear to them that, you know, when I saw them, like, I'm sober now, you know. And a lot of them can't comprehend that. A lot of people um, don't understand what complete abstinence is. They don't get what being 100% sober is. You can tell somebody like an old friend, yeah, I'm sober. They'll think, oh, well, he doesn't smoke weed or doesn't do hard drugs anymore, but why don't you drink? They don't understand like alcohol is a substance too. So they, they might be insistent in uh, continually uh, offering you the drink and you just have to like make it loud and clear. No, thank you. Thank With all due respect, um, you can go ahead and you can drink, but I just don't do that anymore. So I made it very clear to my friends that if I'm going to be around you, I just want you to know that I'm a sober human being now. Like, I'm not who I used to be. Uh, no judgment. You can do whatever you want. But this is who I am now. And, I, you know, usually people are pretty respectful of that. They're, they're not going to keep trying to push it on you. And if they are, don't go around them. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you see old people are always going to want to see their old friends, no matter what. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are not so rigid in their sobriety in the beginning to where they just cut out everybody. Um, some people are instructed to do so. Some people are told to erase and delete all phone numbers. I didn't do that. Personally, um, I was just more uh, happy about me being sober. So going around old friends wasn't that difficult. And to this day, all of my old school friends are kind of surprised that the guy that was partying the hardest is now the soberest out of all of them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it... It takes so much willpower to get to that point, too, especially in the beginning. How do you switch your mindset to be able to just tell those friends, like, hey, I'm, I'm sober, and, and just disregard everything that they're saying? Well, it's a good question. See, when we talk about willpower, the way that I was raised in recovery, uh, we were taught that willpower was actually a mind state. And mm. if it was really left up to me and my willpower... Uh, I could have, I told myself a thousand times, I'm never going to use again, I'm never going to drink again, and I'd be loaded in a couple of days or a couple of hours uh, shortly after. So when it came to willpower, that wasn't really working for me. Um, when you get plugged into recovery, into the community, into the fellowship, into the support groups, into the mentors, when you are completely plugged into them and have that communication where you bounce things off of them, and you ask them, like, what do you think about this idea? And they give you clear-cut directions on the do's and the don'ts. Then 
you know, like I'm taking it, I've been taking direction and instruction from this person for a while now. Mm-hmm. And when he says go right, I go right. And when he says go left, I go left. And if he says jump, I say how high. So no matter what situation I'm going to, because obviously like we're going to go places where there's going to be stuff. Alcohol mm-hmm. obviously is, is legal. Marijuana is now legal too. So it's going to be there. I smell it often, you know, in the air. And so um, it's not really a matter of, of, I don't think of my own will to where I'm saying, like, uh, I'm above it all. No, I'm not above it all because truly, like, I have the disease of addiction and I can smell weed and it'll set off that the, the, the disease. Like, the, the, basically, the beast will get unleashed in my head to the point where I will start thinking. And th- you know, I've actually had the, been, I've gone to the gym and smelled someone smoking weed in the parking lot and went inside the gym and I, I was, like, reminiscing and I thought, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I remember that. Oh my, I can practically taste it right now. Oh my God, you know wow. what? Maybe being a counselor in rehab isn't all that. Maybe I shouldn't keep going to these twelve-step meetings. That Maybe powerful, I, huh? Power, that's like that's where my wow. brain will start to go, and then I think, wait, 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 hold it, hold it right there. That's basically that eight hundred-pound gorilla that's doing push-ups in your head, and he wants to get you. He wants to get you in a position where he wants to convince you that you're not so bad. So what do I do? I pick up the phone and I call my, well, I'm just going to say it straight up, my sponsor, right? Who's, who's my mentor in recovery, the person who's got a few extra years than me in recovery. And I tell him, hey, this is the thought I had. What do you think? And he's like, not a good thought, you know? <laughs> Throw it out the window. You don't want that thought. That's yeah. Your disease is trying to convince you that you're not so bad. And I, I realized right then, like, wow, that's how powerful it can be. So I think uh, just surrounding yourself with people or even if you're far away from them, they're at a phone, you know, distant phone phone distance away from from just calling them and seeing where they're at and, and letting them know, um, you know, I'm in a squirrely situation right now. What shall I do? And they'll, you know, ask three people that are sober that have been sober for a while and base your, you know, whatever your decision on their answers. Yeah, that takes an incredible amount of self awareness. That's that's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so. Uh, Continuing on on the aspect of traveling, if you're regularly going to meetings and you're in a, another location or another state, mm-hmm. do you think it's it's good to seek out other uh, other meetings wherever you are? Or Absolutely. How would you go about that? Absolutely. So, so you know, twelve step meetings are you can find them anywhere in America, right? Like you can find them anywhere in the world. You can find them on a on a yacht on a ship. Right. If you really, really, really uh, do your research, it's not hard mm-hmm. to find. There's apps, mm-hmm. uh, Meeting Finder. I've gone to places oh. like Arizona. I've gone to Vegas. I've gone to Meeting Beth- Meeting Finder. Meeting Finder. Yeah. Oh, cool. There's. I've gone to Bethesda, Maryland, and and I'm the type of guy that um, wherever I go, there I am. So mm-hmm. like, if I go to a different town, it's not like my disease has stayed home. It's definitely with me always. It never goes away. And the best thing for me to do is to get plugged in with whatever uh, local resources, whatever meetings are, are to be found. And sometimes, of course, like there's nothing like Southern California meetings. So if I go to like another state, I get to experience how they do meetings. The message is always there. Mm-hmm. You know, people are always welcoming. They're always loving. It's funny. I went to um, this one out in Bethesda, Maryland, and I, re- I remember it was really cool. This is this is fun, uh, fun little memory that I have about four or five years ago, I went to go speak at some 
conference on addiction in Washington, D.C., uh, my aunt had set it up because she was uh, she had this thing called the Arise and Flourish Foundation, and hmm. and one night I was like, I want to go to a meeting, and she she lived right on the outskirts of D.C. and Bethesda, Maryland, and I I looked up on my meet, meeting finder thing a place to go, and I remember I uh, it was this church, and I walked up this turnpike to get to this church, and like I, I realized like later I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like walking on the side of the like. <laughs> A highway, like just to get to this thing. I walk and I met this guy, and he was really cool and he was welcoming. Mm -hmm. And that guy, we, he befriended me, and and then he wow. took me to another meeting the next day oh, and, and another place, and it was really cool. And I remember when I was in this meeting, there was a lot of people there. It was really cool. They looked different, but they were all talking about the same stuff that we talked about back home. And I was living in L.A. at the time, and I said, they asked me, so does the guy from L.A. want to say anything? And I said, yeah, I want to say something. I I'm really tripping out on you guys. Like, you guys don't clap out here like we do in California. You know, I'm used to people clapping for every little thing, including the coffee maker. And all of a sudden, everybody started clapping. It was so cool. It was like the fellowship was amongst me. And, I, you know, I didn't, it doesn't matter where I went. There are other sober people in other towns that I can, you know, find if I really seek them out. So it is quite possible, yes. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I love the app, too. That's, that's amazing. There's actually a few of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, we, we were talking about this a little bit uh, off recording, too, a little earlier. Mm -hmm. But how would you approach accidentally consuming alcohol or drugs? I mean, especially here in California uh, with uh, marijuana being recreationally legalized now or coming soon. How would you approach if you, you're at a party and you pick up a brownie and, and take a bite and Oh my goodness! There was there was marijuana in there, or someone gives you an eggnog that you don't know has a little alcohol in it. It's spiked. Okay, so that's a, I like that question a lot. Personally, you know, I think recovery per each individual who's in recovery, um, it's up to them to know how serious they are about their recovery, because there's some people that are pussyfooting with their recovery. So, let's say for example, they're not really seriously. In recovery, they may have gone to some meetings, they may have gone to a treatment center, they may be calling themselves sober, they may have been abstinent from using and drinking for a while, So, but they aren't really like engulfed in recovery. They're not really like doing the things that are required to stay sober. So they get into that type of a situation, they put a little something something in their mouth and the next thing you know they're like, oh no, I've done it, like I've <laughs> actually drank. Uh oh, I screwed up, might as well just keep going. That's mm. on them. Yeah. To each their own. Me personally, my my personal experience is that I was at a party mm -hmm. and I was uh, drinking just water and somebody else was drinking vodka next to me. And for some reason, our glasses got switched up because they oh, looked the yeah. same. It was a clear uh -huh. content. And mm -hmm. I, I remember I put it in my mouth and I I, I downed it. Oh, no, I, I took a sip and it got to my tongue and some of it got down my throat. And I thought, that is not water. <laughs> I like, can only imagine. Clear as day, <laughs> that was vodka. And uh -huh. I... I remember it like it was yesterday, and I told her, I thought you said this is my water, and I spit it out really quick, and, <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, is that a relapse? And I called my mentor, my sponsor, and I asked him, like, did I just relapse? And he's like, did you keep drinking? And I said, no. And he goes, then it's not a relapse. It's a free lapse. Mm. And basically, free lapse. just don't keep, don't keep drinking. Don't mm -hmm. let the beast get unleashed. 
contain it, make sure that you don't keep going. As far as um, edibles, mm -hmm. apparently these days, I mean, back in the day, we used to do a little bit of baking with pot brownies, but these days people are baking everything and anything they possibly can from... Uh, from yeah, what if you have like a casserole or something? A casserole. <laughs> you want to probably know who made your food. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're hanging out with a bunch of hippie buddies like that used yeah. to follow the dead around, get candy, suckers, mm. anything like that, like obviously... People that you probably shouldn't be hanging out with, you never know. But, like, if you want to know, like, where you're getting your food from, your baked goods, things like that, are they, have they been doused? Have they been, um, has, has somebody baked uh, THC into them? You want to know, right? So, again, if you take a bite into something and somebody lets you know along the way that, hey, by the way, did you know that those are pot brownies or that's pot cake or whatever, <laughs> marijuana cake, you, and you actually feel the effects by it, if you didn't intend on actually getting loaded or getting high off of that, I don't personally, I don't think that that's a relapse. That's mm -hmm. just, that's just what I believe. You know, I don't think if you ate it and you're like, oh my God, I love that so much. I miss it. I'm going to keep going. That's on you, man. That, that's your recovery and, or, or for lack thereof. Right. So, um, you know, but it happens. It's mm -hmm. uh, besides me. I've heard of other friends that have accidentally taken a drink accidentally there's a big difference in yeah, intentionally <laughs> and accidentally. When you do it accidentally and you stop doing it and you feel remorse and, and um, you don't want to keep going forward and doing it, then, you know, you know better. Mm -hmm. you, you know when to, when to just put it aside. So, yeah. Gotcha. Uh -huh. Well, Pej, thank you so much for answering all my questions. I know that was helpful for me. I hope that was helpful for all of our listeners as well. Is there anything else that you'd like to close on? No, I'm just really excited about the Sober Grind podcast. I hope that um, we get a lot of viewers, a lot of listeners. I, I definitely want to get the word out. I want to try to help anybody in any way that I possibly can uh, alongside with you. We are partners in crime in, in the recovery world. And um, I'm excited for what lies ahead into the new year. This is our first uh, show. First of many. First of many. And I'm excited to have a lot of the guests that we've been talking about having come on and also just some surprise guests and things like that. So definitely I hope that, uh, you know, I hope we, we, we are doing good, effective work and people <laughs> uh, will respond to it well. I hope so. And uh, just to segue off of that, we would love your feedback on all of this. Write us a review, leave a comment on what you like, what you would like us to cover, and we'll be sure to cover those in future episodes. We also have an online Facebook community called Ask an Addiction Specialist. You can just search for Ask an Addiction Specialist and join there, or go to the URL facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Ask an Addiction Specialist. We have a big network of uh, addiction treatment psychologists and clinical professionals there to answer all of the questions that you have. So go there. We do uh, weekly live streams. It is all for your benefit. This podcast is sponsored by Beginnings Treatment Centers. They are incredible. If you have any questions at all, give them a call. Their number is... 800-387-6907 and you can find them online at beginningstreatment.com Pej, thank you so much again my friend. Thank you so much over and out